0: Welcome to Real Life with Lily. My name is Lily Christensen. I have worked in the world of healers since I was 16 years old for over 30 years. I have a unique story filled with unusual gifts, amazing family and friends, along with a few horrific experiences filled with chronic pain and PTSD. The set of tools that I have and the processes that I've created emerged from my story and the work I have ceaselessly done to heal and to help others heal. Welcome to Real Life with Lily. Welcome to my podcast number eight, entitled Winter Wonderland, A Season for Peace and Rest and Renewal. Winter is the Earth's natural time for peace and rest and renewal. Everything except us humans naturally slows down, from the sap in the trees to the mighty rivers to the big bears and the chatty squirrels. The days are shorter and the nights are longer. Earth herself seems to sleep in a blanket of snow. Before the age of electricity, most humans slowed down as well. They went to bed and rose with the sun. They called it a day when the sun went down and then read by the fire, played a little music, sang a song, told stories, and went to sleep. Then rose with the sun, worked until sundown, and did it all again. And during the winter, they rested and slept more. They had shorter work days and sat by the fire more, spun and knitted and told stories, or played music and simply put they relaxed more. But now, only the plants and animals seem to heed this call. We humans have effectively disconnected ourselves from the much healthier rhythms of nature. Now there is no natural end to the workday. There is no peace or rest or renewal in winter. We don't even rest or find peace during the holidays, connected deliberately to peace and rest like Christmas and Hanukkah and the celebrations of light returning after the winter solstice. No, we've ingeniously created daylight savings to elongate the workday and work through the night to keep up with the corporate world and the pressures of making money. We've made the holidays into shopping days from well before Halloween until after the new year when we're bombarded by merchandise sales for February's Valentine's Day before we've even celebrated the winter solstice. Our kiddos don't even get a chance to connect healthily to the cycles of nature, to rest and peace and renew that winter brings. They bundle up before the dawn to go to school and return in the dark after sports or music or fill in the blank practice, to eat a bit and study for a few hours and go to bed way after dark and do it all again the next day. Why do we avoid peace? Why are we wound so tightly that we can't slow down? Why have we bought into the chaos and the crazy? What are we running from? Our souls are screaming for peace. Our children are screaming for peace. Our homelands are screaming for peace. Our very world is screaming for peace. And in peace, we find ourselves. In peace, we find rest. In peace, we find love. In peace, we find understanding. In peace, we find real solutions. How can we blame politicians, bosses, people on social media, pandemics, everything that goes wrong in the world, when peace can only happen one heart at a time? If we choose to blame the lack of peace on anything else than our own unwillingness to face the chaos inside our souls first, we are blaming the wrong things. Once we have taken responsibility for our own soul's peace, we will attract more peace and more peace. We will unite with peaceful people and begin to make a real change, real connections, real beauty, and real peace. And winter is the perfect time to reset our crazy, to slow down, to choose a peaceful and restful way to celebrate the natural slowness and renewal. Without some rest, we simply beat our souls down, become exhausted, overwhelmed, disconnected from nature and each other. We become spread so thin that our work becomes compromised and shoddy. Our souls lose their drive, the spark of happiness, Wonder and joy fades into a daily schedule to follow. We force ourselves out of bed with caffeine and eat our chocolate and drink our caffeine and coffee and colas and teas all day to stay awake and then end our day with alcohol or other drugs to try and relax and then do it all over again and again and again. What if we learned to follow? the simple example of nature to slow down during winter, give ourselves different routines than during the rest of the year. I know we can't go back to no electricity and ideally sleep when the sun sleeps and work when we have light, but we can reconnect to nature and her rhythms through daily routines and simple celebrations and reminders to stay connected and slow down and rest. There are two aspects of learning to slow down and find more peace and rest that I'd like to talk about. The first is the theme of this podcast, Winter Wonderland, a time for peace and rest and renewal. The other is daily peace and rest for the whole year. I will address the second and larger aspect of daily finding peace and rest in my next podcast that I'm calling, wait for it, Spa day every day. (laughs) Haha, yes, I am so excited for my next podcast. You will notice some overlap as the subject matter is similar. However, I don't think there's any harm repeating myself here, as most of us are pretty terrible at slowing down, cultivating peace and rest, and renewal for our souls. (laughs) Am I wrong? (laughs) So, how do we connect with the rhythms of winter? because just being out in the snow doesn't always guarantee you'll connect with nature. For instance, if you're flying off cliffs with your snowmobile, or standing in long lines at the ski hill to ski through the night, or tubing wildly down a crazy hill, you're doing the opposite of what winter and nature are beckoning you to do. Not that any of these activities are inherently bad, or take you farther away from nature's rhythms, necessarily, They're actually super fun and great exercise and get you out into the fresh air. (laughs) But don't justify in your mind that you're connecting with nature and her natural calm and slowness when you're doing these things. More likely, you've either taken time off work or gotten up extra early or rushed everyone to get to that ski hill. You've white-knuckled it through the pass and are hoping you can get home safely in the dark, icy, and very likely snowy roads. On the hill, you're yelling and laughing and pushing yourself to go higher and jump farther and ski or tube longer. You're pushing your body to the limits and likely putting yourself in situations where your adrenaline is coursing through you. Probably you're drinking some stimulant or more harmful drug and you're trying to outdo your friends. This is not connecting to the rhythms of nature. This is trying to defy the laws of nature and push your body to extremes that are very often not healthy. And don't say, I know what Lily's talking about because I celebrate Christmas every year. Because unless you can prove to me how you simply and without adding stress and busyness to your soul, made simple and loving presents, taking the time to slowly knit something beautiful or crochet something or bought them naturally over months without rush or craziness, and then gathered around with loved ones to slow down by a fire and read simple stories and allow your soul to celebrate the peace and the stillness and the joy that that holiday is supposed to bring. But instead, you participated in every school play, every Christmas choir, every Christmas party, and bought presents for all your neighbors and friends and besties while fighting over parking spaces at stores and yelling at people to be more courteous and being angry that you didn't get enough Christmas or worse, weren't grateful for what Christmas you did get. If you didn't enjoy your kids or your family or the real meaning of the season, then you simply have no idea what I'm talking about. How do I know all this? because I've had to break through these same unhealthy and unhappy and unrestful and non-peaceful and non-renewing paradigms myself. And even though I've been working at it for many years, it is still a constant battle. Like building a sandcastle at the edge of the ocean and watching the waves wipe out a wall here and a bridge there, just to rebuild it again and again, and watching it be torn down again and again. I'm at least trying and I at least see it, and I'm at least improving year by year. Are you? COVID-19, of course, has helped to this end, but I'm afraid that many of you, and for me, we do it out of fear or out of duty that we are slowing down and staying away from people, or maybe you or I, are rebelliously doing everything the same to prove we are not scared and not going to be controlled. Either way, we are missing the point, and my fear is that once the restrictions are over, you're so aching for your old life that like an addict, you'll go rushing back to all the old quote-unquote fun that you always had and maybe even be more busy than ever. Did you even acknowledge the winter solstice as the point where we go from more and more dark to more and more light in our days? Did you either celebrate or even just recognize it was happening? Did you watch the sunset before the longest night or watch the sunrise on the first day of more light? Maybe you posted a quick, yay, it's the winter solstice today. No, not even that. Don't worry. You were raised part of our crazy modern world that with all our modern inventions and conveniences, all we've done is add to our stress and given ourselves less rest and less peace. In all earlier times, our ancestors would have done anything for a little more rest and a little more peace. We have been given the opportunity to use that extra time and space that our modern conveniences were supposed to give us and have more peace and rest. But instead, we overschedule ourselves, we don't sleep enough or rest enough, and we find ourselves overworked, more stressed and run down, and more depressed even than our hard-working forebearers. Now I know what I must sound like. I remember the journey I started years ago to reconnect with my own soul and the rhythms of nature. I wrote about it years ago, and I'll show you how difficult it was for me. I titled this story simply, Daisy Dew. For years, I have chased the elusive quote-unquote being and failed. The only time I ever knew being for more than a snatch here and there was as a child. Summer months were filled with it, running through the woods, playing Indian princess, lying in the grass, watching the clouds change shape, walking barefoot through woodland creeks, sitting in the branches of a friendly tree or just curling up in a blanket on a grassy lawn. Being happened naturally then. I never thought about it. I was free and being was a part of me. Somehow, somewhere, being turned into doing and it was a thorough replacement. I think doing began replacing being in kindergarten and was slowly reinforced until there was no being left. I walked in my kindergarten room for the first time all ready and excited to be and was told right away what I must do. I must raise my hand before I speak. I must wait to play with the fun things until my work is done. I must wait patiently in line to wash my hands. I must not speak unless spoken to. All of these things were good to know and understand, except somewhere being stopped. Maybe it was the peer pressure to do what everyone else was doing, or maybe it was my inner drive to do the best at everything that didn't allow me to take a break and just be. I became very good at doing all the right things. I was a straight-A student, played volleyball, basketball, sang in the school select choirs from seventh grade on served in student body government, and even served in leadership at my church. Often, I slept for only three or four hours a night, just to get up and do it all over again. I was honored and petted as one of the best, but no one, not even I, knew that something had been lost, something that I needed badly, but didn't know how badly. It wasn't until I was involved in a terrible accident where my sister went into a coma the beginning of my senior year of high school that I realized that I had no reserves to face this tragedy. Two of my friends were seriously injured, and my brother and I were traumatized but less injured. I was driving. One of my friends was also in a coma. I was mostly dead figuratively, too stressed out and emotionally depleted to handle anything like this. I ran from my hosp- from the hospital my sister was at to the hospital my friend was at, back to my home where my brothers were left alone during this time. I kept trying to do something to put all the pieces back together, trying to do anything to make life be okay again. There was nothing I could do, and I no longer remembered how to be, and I needed to be so badly. I remember one night when I fell on my scabbed-up knees, pleading to the Lord to help me. For a moment, I felt some of His being wash over me. It felt so good, so peaceful, so opposite of everything I was feeling at that time. I wanted more of it, but I had lost my ability to be. And all I could do was climb into bed and sleep months later my friend had somewhat recovered but my sister was still in a coma it was spring i don't think i ever appreciated a spring as much as i did then i remember an afternoon where i laid on a sunny hammock in our backyard staring up into the leaves and branches of our big leaf maple it reminded me of a tree in my backyard when i was really young I could only reclaim bits and pieces of that memory, but I remember loving the different shades of green as the sun played with the layers of leaves, and I remember loving the blue sky peeking through as those leaves rustled in a beautiful warm breeze. I remember a fuzzy caterpillar crawling on a leaf and the wonder I felt at the softness and peacefulness of that small creature. I remember playing with ladybugs and the pure, innocent joy I felt. It had been years since I had simply sat under a tree and felt mesmerized by the color and peace that's there. As I swung in that sunny hammock, I was being. I wondered how I could keep that feeling with me. But sadly, life moved on. My sister died a week before graduation and within three months I was off to college. I must have done an okay job at being at college, at least at the beginning, because I failed every one of my classes my first semester. (laughs) I just couldn't get back into life. I couldn't get back into doing. I played a lot and enjoyed the time off, though I realize now that was an expensive break. All I wanted was to free myself from my pain and find a way to be like a child again but I knew I couldn't continue to be like this forever. So I began to do again. I eventually got passing grades, but didn't get an A until my final art class before I got married in the middle of my third year. Then by the end of the next year, I had my first baby. She was so beautiful, so fun, and so full of life. And though I suffered from depression, I loved every moment I had with her. She was the epitome of being. And when I was with her, I was reminded often about how wonderful being was. But of course, I couldn't be like her. I was a mom and had to do. I had so much to do. Doing became my life again. I'd take time to play with my beautiful child when she needed me or gaze wistfully out at her when I had to clean while she enjoyed being for being's sake alone. I was still caught in the cycle of doing with very little being for myself. A little less than a year ago, I was sitting in my car, waiting for that same beautiful daughter to finish her early morning scripture study class. This was actually many years ago when I wrote this, but it was a year ago when I wrote this. She was 14, and I was still really good at doing, but was finally trying more devotedly to find my ability to be. Ironically, I was meditating about what I needed to do for the day. As I sat there in my car, I had a feeling that there was some flowers or herbs that were ready to be picked. I was in the mode of harvesting herbs. It was that time of the year. I had already harvested the wild St. John's wort buds, making St. John's wort honey and St. John's wort-infused olive oil. I had also made honeys and oils with mullein, cottonwood buds, and a couple other herbs. I loved that time of the year. It feels like Christmas when I find these wild herbs simply waiting for me to pick them. A sense of gratitude always overwhelms me as I harvest them. So when I had the thought that there might be some herbs waiting for me, I quickly got out of the car and began exploring. I followed my nose around the edge of the property, but all the stinging nettle was old and spent, and there didn't seem to be anything else that I needed. At the very back of the property... There was a single daisy plant with two perfect daisies on it. Early morning dew glistened on the petals. I was enchanted and picked one. I took it back with me to the car, pondering why I would feel some herbs were there for me to do something with. When there was none, I must have been mistaken. I looked at the precious daisy and took a bunch of pictures of it from all different angles. The little dew drops gleamed like crystals on the petals. I found almost 30 minutes of joy from that one simple daisy with dew on it. As I was texting my brother one of the pictures that morning, I realized what is probably plainly obvious to you right now. There wasn't something for me to harvest that morning or something more to do. I was invited to feel something, to enjoy something. I was invited to simply be that morning. At that moment, I finally got it. I realized that being can't be chased by doing more. Being only happens when I slow down and enjoy what is all around me to enjoy. Being is allowing myself to feel the joy that dew on daisies bring and taking the time to follow those feelings that lead me to little daisies with dew. This learning and shifting my paradigm has taken me years, literally. It was so difficult for me. And I've talked with many of you and know what you're dealing with as well. I can almost hear you echoing my own complaints. But Lily, you don't know what pressures I am under. You don't know my boss. Or I have four kids, no one rests with four kids. Or I work and go to school and have kids and a husband to take care of. Or I'm a CEO of a major company, and we all go under if I slow down. And trust me, I know what it's like to feel like the world is resting on your shoulders and depending on you to run faster, do more, be more, and not let them down. There's only one problem with this way of thinking. It's going to kill you. It's going to kill the happiness inside of you. It's going to kill the wonder and the joy you feel from the little things. You're going to feel disconnected, out of sorts, spread too thin, grumpy and negative. You're going to want to escape your reality with drugs, relationships that are surface only or fake because they want to escape too. And other addictions of every sort. You're not going to sleep well. Your body will be in more pain. Your soul will feel exhausted and you will feel like there is no escape. You may not feel all those things yet, but they're coming if you don't change your habits. You see, by doing too much all the time, by burning your candles at both ends, you're using up your candles twice as fast as they were meant to be burned. And what's more, you're becoming addicted to that very burnout, addicted to those adrenaline rushes. Adrenal burnout is a likely scenario. And then other health problems follow according to your body's strong and weak points. Not being able to lose weight, mental illness, sleep problems, feeling and enjoying less of life. Connecting with people and animals and experiences in life will diminish. And none of it can hope to heal if we don't learn the lesson that winter so naturally teaches. Slow down rest, renew. The good news is that if you learn this lesson, you will assuredly heal. To some level, no matter where you find yourself on the scale of burnout, you will heal. It might take years, as it has taken me since I got out of hell. I was nearly dead. My hair was falling out of my head. My teeth were rotting badly. My body was so sore that when my kids hugged me, it hurt so badly, and I had so little energy. I took an adrenal test, and my adrenals were literally flatlined every time of the day. There was so much I needed to do. First, I needed to get myself to a safe place. I was in an unsafe place, and though you can heal even in the worst places, I could never have fully healed. And then I needed to start adding more peaceful activities to my day and removing non-peaceful ones. Part of getting out of my unsafe marriage meant that I had to do a lot of work with lawyers and police and counselors and doctors, and it was draining and painful, but necessary. But I immediately started adding beautiful things to my life as well. I went on dates with one of my kiddos every Friday, brought in healthy foods and better sleeping routines and support animals, and listened to beautiful music and reconnected with dear and true friends. I immersed myself in worlds of healers and people who were making a difference in our world who lifted me as I endeavored to share my light back with them. I created beautiful things, photographed nature when I would go exploring, and served my family. I was weak and often in pain, but doing so much better than before. I faced my trauma and my PTSD head-on and did the required healing, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, while I was replacing the pain and heartache with beautiful things of light and happiness and goodness. I bought sparkly jewels. I bought sparkly jewelry and allowed myself to care for my wants and needs, to love myself more and to find joy every day. Before long, my plan worked. As I removed the darkness of pain and abuse from my soul and replaced it with beauty and peace and happy times, I began to heal. I spent more hours of my day doing positive things or just meditating or just watching sunsets and just being. I was happier, had more energy, slept better, and found my old happy self under layers and layers of trauma and pain, covered in dew. Our winter is the perfect time to check in with our weary soul and listen to what it has to teach us, what we really need, what we should bring into our lives, and what needs to be released. I hope this podcast has helped you think of the things you have the power to change in your world. And I invite you to just sit and breathe. Be honest with yourself. And what has your soul been dying to do, create, or just be as you rest more and heal more and renew more this winter? Whatever circumstance you find yourself in as you listen to this podcast, know that our winter is a beautiful invitation to slow down and to remove one thing that you can that is hurting you by making you do too much work or work too hard or not take the breaks you need. Our winter is an invitation to pull our sap to our centers and let non-essential leaves or balls we are juggling fall to the ground while we reevaluate which ones we want to pick up when spring returns. Our winter season is a great time to wrap up in blankets, drink warm teas, take warm baths, use work breaks to just be breathe find a little treasure and enjoy its beauty like my daisy and as you are sitting there and just being what things are you needing to release let go of and think during this time of beautiful winter wonderlands i hope your soul can breathe find peace rest and renew so that you can have greater reserves and strength to face whatever is presented to you. Sending you my love, Lily. Until next time, breathe. Slow down a little. Connect with what's real. Roar at what no longer serves you and embrace your light connections. All my love, Lily.